This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 4th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The president will be meeting with 50 African leaders this week in Washington, but the few minutes the president will be spending with each of these leaders will accomplish far less than simply reducing trade restrictions with those same nations. And most of the reforms that will help African countries develop are domestic in nature. So says Dalibor Rohak, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. I'm afraid it's mostly an exercise in symbolic politics. Um, the idea that anything meaningful of anything of substance could be resolved at the six, eight-hour summit at which President Obama is gathering 50 African leaders um, is, is highly implausible. Um, African countries do share some of the, the common challenges. Um, some of them, most of them, count among the most underdeveloped in the world. But in the end, every African country is different. Every African country has slightly different needs, slightly different problems. And and the idea that President Obama will uh, take 50 different African leaders in the room and discuss everything ranging from security, uh, trade, to sustainable development, to peacekeeping, to governance, to corruption, to illicit finance flow, to me, it just sounds fanciful. Now, uh, this is the president. Obviously, number one, Africa is a very diverse continent. It's huge. It's, uh, you know, Americans don't really appreciate the the massive size of Africa as a continent. And six hours devoted to talking to 50 world leaders about all of the very different problems that these countries are facing. Is there anything that, I don't know, the president could learn today that would possibly change U.S. policy in that, those areas to fix things? I think the, the, the interesting thing about Africa is that it's been actually making a lot of progress in recent years. We have long seen the continent through the prism of undevelopment, poverty, uh, foreign aid, um, death relief, and, 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 and similar issues. But, but actually, in recent years, uh, you had growth approaching 5% in, in, in throughout sub-Saharan Africa. You had falling poverty rates in spite of rising populations. You had uh, improvements in terms of uh, various measures of well-being, including um, access to clean water and sanitation, infant mortality. Um, you had also uh, significant improvements in, in governance and, and democracy, the number of uh, African countries that are democracies today is much, much larger than, than it was in 1985. Um, and on the economic front, um, I think it's quite obvious that most of the growth has come from two sources. First one uh, is the increase in commodity prices, and African countries are, in many cases, significant exporters of, of raw materials and, 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 and sort of primary commodities. And so, so that has helped. Um, but you had also uh, improvements in macroeconomic management in terms of falling uh, debt, falling uh, inflation rates, um, and 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 all, just an overall better uh, business environment and and and, and institutions, uh, which which account for large part of of of, of these increased. Uh, growth rates that we've seen in Africa. That being said, uh, the African continent has still a long way to go. It still remains among the the economically least free uh, areas of the world with large uh, extent of trade protectionism even within Africa. In many cases, 
for up to 25 African countries are the trade barriers that these countries are facing on manufactured exports within Africa are larger than the barriers they're facing when they try to export to the rest of the world. Who are some of the leaders uh, when it comes to getting things right in terms of governance and economic freedom uh, and infrastructure? Well, there are obviously a handful of countries that have made uh, significant gains in terms of the quality of their institutions in the past 20 years or so. Those would include Mauritius, um, Namibia, Botswana, uh, or Rwanda, although the regime in Rwanda is is rightly seen as, as, as quite controversial. Um, but in any event, uh, you've seen uh, these countries make significant changes to their uh, business environment, institutions, uh, trying to crack down on corruption. And very often that produced uh, good results in terms of economic growth and, and increased trade and investment. And it's obvious that African countries need to do more of that. And that can't come from the outside. That can't come from uh, summits in Washington and, 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 and photo ops with, with President Obama. Still, the West can help, and it's obvious that African exporters are facing trade barriers, not just within Africa, but also uh, in Europe and in the United States. In some cases, uh, these barriers uh, don't strike us as obvious, because nominally uh, tariff rates that are applied to, to imports from African economies look fairly small. But we have to take into consideration um, in the case of the United States, for example, the existing quota system in which uh, the permitted num amount of, of imports is, is, is fixed by a certain amount, and above that threshold, uh, the applied tariff rate is much, much higher, in some cases approaching 350 percent, which is, which is quite prohibitive for, 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 for most exports that we can, we can, we can, we can think of. In terms of uh, the United States taking some action to uh, sustain uh, development in Africa, you're saying that reducing trade restrictions is should be top of the list? I think it should be. Um, and those are not just tariff barriers, uh, which obviously should be repealed, and, and not just by the United States, but also by, by European countries, uh, but also implicit protectionism in the form of agricultural subsidies. Uh, Agricultural produce is one of the significant export articles uh, coming out of Africa, and, and, and African exporters find it really hard to compete against agricultural producers that are uh, recipients of, of this large quasi-welfare programs in, in Europe or in the United States. And I don't think there is any economic justification for, 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 for these programs. Uh, moreover, they are directly harmful to to, to African farmers. The path forward for a African countries in, in terms of getting economic freedom right, trading with even their neighbors uh, right, and uh, building these basic structures of governance and the institutions that support development. What, what are the key things that, that most of these countries share in terms of what they need to do? I think they need to make a lot more progress on the governance front. They need to strengthen their own institutions, make it clear that uh, the government is there to serve the people and not the other way around. Uh, in many cases, they have to uh, fix 
the problem of, of the management of natural resources, which has corrupted many governments in the region, where our government is just seen as an opportunity to to access rents from, from natural resources and natural export revenue. Uh, and most importantly, I think African countries just need to work on dismantling trade barriers that exist within Africa. Uh, unilateral trade liberalization would be a politically feasible and easy way out for many of these countries. Uh, but simultaneously, that needs to happen within a critical mass of the continent to make a difference to your typical African exporter. Dalibor Rohak is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. He is co-author of a new report, Sustaining the Economic Rise of Africa, available now at Cato.org.